cut you the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? If you're drowning and I throw you a life jacket, would you grab it? Yes, good. Pick up 200 shares. I won't let you down. Pay him. Pay that man his money. Ask them how they'd like to see 30, 40% returns. What are they gonna say? No? I don't want to see those returns. Where's the money, Lebowski? You're going to make a lot of money, right? Be aggressive. Learn how to push. Show them a 3% return, and I'll trust you to watch his kids for the weekend. I'm a big fan of money. Move around. Motion creates emotion. I did not know that. That's it. I'm done. Hello, and welcome back to Stocks and Jacks. I'm tomorrow, Andrew, on the board. SB Futures down 13. NASDAQ Futures down 95. We're continuing... Yesterday's losses, at least so far, we're kind of down near where we were on our, not quite where we were on our lows yesterday. We got down, uh, I'm going to say in the S&P futures, we were down uh, 45-ish, maybe 48-ish, and finished down 32, so we're kind of near where the lows were yesterday. Do we have uh, the Professor Lou? Good morning. What would you like to be lectured on this morning? Well, I just was... uh, I'm feeling particularly pedantic. Well, you were, uh, I was uh, stunned that you, uh, now where are you taking the kid from Duke, the quarterback, after they wouldn't give him an extension on his paper? <laughs> so, you know, God, God forbid that, uh, God forbid that we, we cut, we cut our athletes some slack. I, I thought the professor's response was exactly correct. You know, congratulations, you played a great game. Your lineman buddies got their got their work in on time how come you didn't which by the way goes to uh, uh, something that i've always said and my father who you know who coached the offensive line used to say all the time as a group the smartest guys in your football team are your offensive linemen well and, they, also, uh, they also have the reputation of their lockers are always neat where the defensive linemen are not is that is that true oh yeah yeah no there's i mean obviously we're generalizing but there are there are definite personality traits that that attach to certain positions on the football team based on what you want them to do. And as a group, generally, you know, if you look at the Wonderlic tests, if you look at the just the overall academic performance, generally your offensive linemen as a group are going to be are going to be performing at a higher level than other positions on the team, especially on the defensive side of the ball. I was remembering a quite uh, a long time ago. It was. Young, uh, Washington was playing somebody it's back when they had the Hogs. Yeah. And I don't know who the guy with the right tackle was, but he's this huge man, right? Uh, so okay, he's this white guy, and this black guy's doing the head slap thing. And yep. uh, so all of a sudden the guy, he stays down, and the other guy rises up and gives him the head slap. The offensive lineman takes his fist and just nails this guy in the ribs. His fist and the guy's like doubled over and he's bitching at the ref back and forth and it was third down, right? So they're on the off the they're punting or whatever they're doing. The offensive lineman is just sitting there talking to his buddy on the on the on the bench like if nothing happened, the other guy's like, Hey, what the hell? He just got tired of getting head slapped and he's nailed this guy. Well, I mean, you know, Ed White, who is one of my all time favorite players that he's he's still alive, isn't he? Yes, he is. The work for my dad, Ed. You know, Ed was the NFL arm wrestling champion for four or five years, and and really, certainly one of the most impressive people in terms of natural strength. But but there was a there was a sequence in um, 
I think it was it was a regular season game, but I don't know. But anyway, Ed was Ed was matched up against uh, they were playing Pittsburgh, and he, Ed was blocking Green, the Joe Green, the terrific Pittsburgh uh, defensive tackle, and Green Green came in on him on a on a stunt, and Ed shoved him out of the way, and Green kicked him, and and. I was on the sidelines working as a ball boy, and this must have been preseason. And Green kicked him, and Ed Ed got mad. And my my father just sort of poked me and said, "You know, I, Ed never plays mad because uh, because Ed's always in control." But I I think I think something's about to happen here. And this was this was maybe his third or fourth year in the league, so he, he was still a little bit of an unknown commodity. Green comes around again next play. It's a it's a, a pass play. Green comes in full speed, and of course he was very fast. And Ed dropped and came up underneath him with both with the heels of both hands and hit him under the rib cage and lifted him up off the ground. And then and then threw him, threw him on the ground and speared him with his helmet. Just just threw him on the ground and came right onto him with his helmet and ran his helmet up his, you know, hit him in the, hit him in the uh, sternum and then ran his helmet up over his head and then stomped him as he ran over him. And, and then, you know, I heard this, I heard this very clearly, you know, there's lots of noise and there's lots of talk going on on the, on the field. Uh, but I heard this very clearly, something to the, you know, just, just Ed saying, you know, you blankety blank, 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 blank. If you ever do that again, I'll blank, 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 kill you. <laughs> and it, it you know the, the idea that and this is one of the reasons my father was real big on establishing uh, the run game because he said you know if you if you get your offensive lineman used to blocking run run blocking uh, pass blocking is is very easy and and you know when you transition from from run blocking to pass blocking and the run blocking requires a certain level of aggressiveness that that he wanted his players to have um, I mean they were already aggressive but but he wanted he wanted that kind of aggressiveness and um, you know some of his guys naturally some of his guys naturally had it some of them he worked very hard to instill uh, instill that into them but um, he, he focused I mean I, I remember listening to him lecture his people. Uh, on the field a couple of times and, and he just you know he would just talk to them about you you need to change you know offensive linemen have a have a reputation for having this orderly sort of thoughtful kind of approach to the game and you know Ed was an architect um, Mick Tinglehoff who was another Hall of Fame guy for, played for my father was a CPA um, Milt Sunday, one of his one of his all pro guards, was a you know sold real estate, you know had his own real estate business. You know these were not these were not guys who who you know were out clubbing and running amok in the in the off season. Um, but he would he he said you know that's good and it's bad. It's good in the sense that these are really true truly team players. It, it's bad in the sense that I want I want a certain level of aggressiveness out of them. I want to. A level of ferocity in the way they play, and and we've got a you know part of my job as a coach is to develop that. Well, it's a the what do you what do you make of uh, stay on football? But, but oh, I wanted I wanted to address one other thing. The, the kid from Duke, 
should have turned his homework in. Oh, yeah. First of all, hey, dude, you're a Duke. Okay, you're not at you're not at Auburn. Um, the second thing I want to note is what's happening here in Boulder. Uh, with yeah, what uh, I was going to ask about it. What is that all about? How, how many people are new there? Um, I think something like forty or fifty players. I mean, he he ran off. He ran off almost all of the scholarship players that were here, and and then imported a bunch of his kids from Jackson State and uh, and from other schools, and just 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 wholesale brought them in. You know, he just, just does anybody even is, it, is there an admissions department there? Or you just bring them in to play football? No, no, he just brought them in. Uh, he's listen. He's he's under no illusions as to what his role his role is there and what he's been hired to do. He's been hired to to win football games, and his kids, you know, they've 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 won one one game. I, you know, there's a certain amount of backlash over over well not backlash, but there was a lot of criticism of Sanders and the way he was running his mouth. And um, you know, I mean, at the you know at the press conference after the game, you know, he he went after a bunch of reporters. He said, you know, we we listen to y'all and we take receipts, um, or we keep the receipts. Um, I, and and of course the race element has been injected into it now. I heard Michael Wilbon and a couple of other guys talking about this. Um, it it never occurs to to people that that some folks might not like Deion Sanders, not because race has anything to do with it, but because he tends to be a bit of a loudmouth. What bit? Um, yeah, just a bit. As long as long as you know, but Colorado's going to live with that, I guess, as long as he delivers. The other interesting part of that victory. Uh, and I'm 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 sort of surprised to see the defense play the way it did, um, because of course Sanders I think is a defensive a defensive minded football coach. Certainly he was as a, as a player. Um, but the other interesting thing about that is you know his and 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 this this is where we're headed, Chief. All the loud mouthing, all the posturing, all the grandstanding, draws a tremendous amount of media attention to the program which in turn draws a lot of NIL money. His kid, Shadur Sanders, the quarterback, his kid had a valuation, an NIL valuation over, over a million before, just before the game started. After the win, the, the sports marketing group or whatever they are put his, put his value at over three million. That's just after one win. So if you're, if you're a high school player, you know, looking at this, you're thinking, "Oh my gosh, this, this look, look what look what Coach Sanders has done for for all these guys." You know, he's just jacked up his kids' value to three to three point one million dollars, and that might be a place I want to go because, first of all, the dope is is legal. Second of all, I'm right up against the mountains in this gorgeous campus, and and you know, third. He may have found a way. Sanders may have found a way to tap into all that Boulder money, and there's a lot of it. There's a lot of it here. Well, I, all, I, that, uh, all that Boulder money, as, as you know, my curse, I guess, and also probably the reason why people listen to the show is my fixation on on money, and that uh, you know, not the fact that I need some. It's the it's the idea that uh, I, I just wonder how all this stuff works its way out. Well, I mean, first of all, I. I really learned something a few weeks ago when I went through the UCLA budget. It's $11 billion. Yeah. I mean, does anybody really care if the football team gets another $35 million of, of uh, you know, TV revenue that they're going to they're gonna use in the, to give everybody a raise there and hire five more people and do some other crap? I mean, it's, it's not going to affect anything that school does. 
I mean, it, it, in terms of you know losing your soul to the football team. So, but now this this kid, for instance, let's say for you know, let's say you're you know Michael Jordan. Well, for, when I was young, you had you had two choices to make when you bought basketball shoes: high or low, white or black. Because you bought Converse All Stars, right? That's all, the only thing that was out there. Well, as time went by, Adidas had some shoes and Nike had some shoes, and then all of a sudden, they get this Michael Jordans, and all of a sudden, it really. By the way, I bought a pair of the first Michael Jordan. They were, without a doubt, the worst basketball shoes I ever, I ever wore. They were so damn hot, and you, and, you're, and you couldn't lace them tight enough to where your feet didn't slide back and forth, and you end up with a mass of blisters after an hour of game. They were horrible. Now, maybe with a pro trainer where you had your ankles taped and everything, you might be able to deal with that, but for a regular person. Anyway, but I mean, all of a sudden, these become not just a basketball shoe, but a, a status symbol, you know, I'll be blunt, in the hood. Yeah, where no, guys are robbing people to buy hundred dollars shoes, or they weren't hundred when they came out. But so now, this kid. Matter of fact, I just got a, a thing last night from uh, one of my guys that I hang with downtown once in a while. And he's riding in a car with somebody's kid who's an NIL. I don't know where the hell he's going to school. Well, what exactly? What what? Who's going to buy three million dollars worth of crap in some place because this quarterback won a game? I mean, what's what's he peddling? I mean, they, you can't. Everybody has a budget. The economy's going into recession. How much how much blood can you get out of a turnip, as the Irish would say? Just because some kid won a football game, all of a sudden people are going to buy another $5 million worth of crap because he won? I mean, I, 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 mean think I, that, I think that's a great point. I don't know exactly what the estimate is based on. It's obviously based on, you know, advertising endorsements, shoe sales, music deals, um player personal appearances i mean i mean that it's going to be it's going to be stuff like this and and but but regardless the the economic impact i mean i mean the idea five years ago the idea that we would have this kind of financial uh value being attached to these kids on a week by week basis and that's what's happening but it's also it's also an article in, in this in this world in this world we live in, I, I don't know if you listened yesterday. Uh, I was talking about there were articles all morning about Evergreen, the place that declared bankruptcy in China. Yes, it's up seventy percent, sixty five percent. You know, because it's the one outfit managed to make their interest payment like hours to go on their thirty day grace period, which is fine by the way. If you had money over there, you're glad you got your interest. Uh, the stock was up from twenty eight cents to sixty cents or something. You know. Yeah, it's down from like six bucks in the last five weeks because <laughs> it finally reopened. Okay, it's it didn't deserve that hype. Seventy percent of that. If you go from one penny to two, I guess you're up a hundred percent, but it's still two cents. And I guess what I'm saying is, if you, if you add all these guys together, um, I, I, I'm 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 really curious as to whether the Under Armour deal for Notre Dame is worth it for them. You know, I, I wonder if the Under Armour deal in Northwestern is worth it for them. I mean, I don't. I think these guys are putting themselves out of business with these deals. And now we start talking about individual people on the team instead of just the team itself. There's not that much dough, I don't think. I mean, that's just me. I mean, I wonder if the, I, I, I understand what you're saying. And, and I, the, the short answer is, as we used to say in the tech business, this is all vaporware yeah. until until somebody actually strokes a check to this kid. Um, well, there's high school kids now that are. Uh, the AAU uh, people are talking about this. I, who's the kid in Chicago that's worth? Uh, God, where's Matty Weber when I need him? Some kid in high school here supposedly's got a seven million dollar deal or a six million dollar deal. 
I mean, are they writing him a check? I mean, I can't imagine they're doing that. Now, if they are, are they determining what school he's going to? This is where I don't. I mean, let's talk a little bit about well, this. Well, I mean, part of it. So part of it, and I don't, I don't want to sound like you know you're a fuddy-duddy or anything, but part of it is the fact that you're not you're not playing on social media to the same extent that all of these other people are. I, I get it. Wait, what, well, I guess what I'm what I'm saying, Lou, is so that, that when by that I mean the value. You know, a great high school player when you and I were were in high school. You know, maybe maybe a thousand people knew about him, or yeah. maybe five thousand people knew about him. A great high school player now. Five million people know about him. I, you know, I, I I like to think I get that, but what I'm, what I'm, what I'm now it comes down to there's several things here. Just like um, I won't say idiots, people who think they get free commissions on a brokerage, they don't. What they don't realize is they no longer are the customer. The person that pays the brokerage firm is the customer. Correct. Correct. So much like much like health insurance health yeah. insurance system, yeah. you are not the the doctors. The doctor is not serving you. The doctor right. is serving your insurance company. Correct. Well, now now these these people that have this money, the guy, the AAU guy who gets the high school boy or girl, these kinds of deals, they're the kid is working for them, not for the college. I mean, there, there's a. I don't think people have thought this through. If the school finds some way to pay these kids, I guess they're still the employer, even though they don't want to be. If other people pay them, what, if you and I did this, Lou, and we actually took a kid like this uh, from Colorado or high school, wherever it is, and we had, a, I use the term, a stable, um, or if it's fish, I could say a school of fish. Uh, if we had 25 of these people, we're going to determine where they go to college, not the college, Right. They're going to be working for our group of athletes, whatever we want to call ourselves, whatever the, whatever the name that's going to be. We're going to say this year you're going to Notre Dame. Ah, you didn't get enough exposure there. You're coming out of there. You're going somewhere else. I mean, that that's what's going to end up happening here. That's what it, and, and there's no way that there's money in there for the women's fencing team. I'm sorry. Is there? I mean, right now we kept this charade going and spread it out among all these other athletes as, as a way to justify it. Well, now if you're paying these people direct, why, why do I have to? If I'm pay, paying this kid two hundred grand to be an offensive tackle, why do I have to send the women's swim team or the guys' wrestling team on the jet to, to Rutgers to UCLA for God's sake? And why yeah. should they? Why should they go for free? I mean, you got you got my my whole theme here, and I've had it said before, so I won't continue. But you got to be careful when you start walking down these roads where you end up. Just oh, oh, exactly, I, I, and and you know all of this, all of this is pointing in in one direction. And that is that the colleges that have these significant programs are going to move into and coalesce around this financial uh, this financial goal, and and they are they're, they're going to go for the money. They're going to it's going to you know it's going to be a, a a mutual assured destruction kind of kind of deal where they all they all come in together. You and I have talked about this. I think it's four sixty. I think it's a sixty-four team super conference with four divisions that that will ultimately play for the for a national a national championship. And everybody else, you know, they'll put on football games and it'll be televised because TV's looking for content. Um, but it's not it's not going to be part of this. And and that's that's the game right now is getting yourself into a position where ultimately your product. Is either going to be one of the products that matters, or 
your program is going to be so attractive to the people who have a product that matters that they're going to want you. They're going to want you along for the ride. But it, it I mean, Rick Talender was he what thirty years early in his book? Yeah, it's going to end up with. But now, as as a as a voter, as an alumnus, do I want Illinois? essentially sponsoring a professional f- uh, football team it has nothing to do with education it has nothing to do with anything do I want Notre Dame which doesn't need their football team money wise do I want them being a sponsor of a professional team why why, why, do, I, why do I need that no, they're not going to ask me but why, why do I need that okay so so if you're an athletic director did you do you see the the end of the Clemson Duke game yes okay you're an athletic director you're sitting up in the press box and you watch those kids pour out onto the field in celebration, and you watch the emotion that comes in there and on associated with that, or you just watch, you know, what happens at a Duke basketball game. But you watch that pour out like that, and you know the cash register symbol is going up in your eyes, and that ka-ching, ka-ching, yeah, ka-ching your, is going off. Here's in the where background. you and I have a disagreement. You can't ask the athletic director; he's got his nose up the ass of this. It's his money. He just he just smelled rays. Well, I, I I don't know. I think he smelled. I think he smelled revenue pouring into that program. To him. Well, n- no, not no. It, it's to the school. They, they think of their organization. At least in my experience, they do. Uh, I think that's changing. I mean, these, they coach, think, well, these coaches they think, are making they, twenty million a year or whatever. They they think they think of their organization, and and I'll tell you who else thinks of this. If if they've got any sense, and that's the school's president. Because I, I, I watched, I, I was at Duke when when Shashevsky started beating up on Carolina and NC State and the rest of Tobacco Road, and Duke went from a very nice academically, um, you know, academically touted program in the South to a national hot school that everybody wanted to go to and that the alumni were willing to throw money at I, on, the, I, on the shoulders of that basketball program. I. I get it, and I also know because I mean I'm you know same age, a little older. The idea that I could sit in class with a bunch of guys and walk over and on a Saturday have some big school come in there and little Catholic school in South Bend, be, you know the the butthole of the world, and uh and all of a sudden you know there's a big game and I'm sitting there, Lou, I loved it. Now do I really want every every shred of morals in the place to go for some professional football team that did. I may never see anybody in class. I don't care where they come from. I don't care where they go. It's not the same. All my buddies are like, I'm never going. It's, it's different. I mean, I, I don't, I don't, that's not the role of a university. They have, they have an extra, extracurricular program where you compete in sports. Hell, I, I still would play sports if I could every day. You know how much I love it. But this, this is, I don't want, what would you think of the, if uh, Northwestern sponsored the Bears? W- what's the point? We're getting there. Right. Yes. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I mean, I I agree, and and so this is the but this is the direction the the program's going in. If you want, if you don't want to be part of that program, if you if if you're an athletic director or you're the president of a university and you're looking at your budget, um, you're either. I think it's going to be a zero-sum game, and I think the choice is going to be fairly stark. You can be a Harvard or an Ivy League, and have very high academic standards well they've lowered them dramatically but but you can tout your high yeah. academic standards or and, and play and play within a nice you know collegiate 
collegial kind of league where where you know people go out and they you know wave their their pennants with Yale on them and Harvard and and go to the games on Saturday. I, I get it. I mean, I, by the way, be, I love it. By the way, you can be. Pardon me. I mean, I I not only get it, I love it. I'm saying, but it's, oh yeah. But but the University of Chicago went the other direction, and guess what? There's still the University of Chicago. Well, well, no, no. I, I mean, I mean, I would put Chicago, University of Chicago in with that group. Or you can be you can be the, the school that has the ESPN desk set up outside your your football stadium with ten thousand people screaming, and eighty or ninety thousand in your stadium, and uh, on Saturdays. And, and alumni, alumni coming forward to say to talk about your football program, and and I mean, I I, I get it, but this, I don't. In this world, this world chief goes goes right to a world that uh, and goes right at a world that I you know I played in and and came from, and that that's the service academy. Yeah, they they right. can't they can't compete in this league at all. But I, I guess what I'm saying is. If you, but they want to, and then I think they should be able to. But there, there are alternative. I'm, 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 we're just, we're just jousting to get all the ideas out there. Well, you know, I'm not arguing with you. No, the, I know. I the, know. We're, we're just talking. The uh, in Europe, people love their soccer. South Bend would have a huge soccer team, a huge soccer stadium. Then there would be the University of Notre Dame, and the soccer team pays all their players. They come and they go. They have their own workman's camp. They pay for the. They do all that stuff. What's it got to do with the university? I mean, in terms of is uh, is a is a massive money making operation. People still love their stars; they just don't happen to be students. What's the difference? I mean, why why do you have to masquerade as a student to play football? Well, that that's the ultimate that's the ultimate question, and of course, that's the joke about the Duke quarterback and his professor. Yeah, because because the professor was telling this kid, "Hey, you look great on Saturday, but your job is here." You're yeah. in my class, and the kid's like, yeah. "What? Are you, what, Mar- what are you from Mars?" No, I don't know. Well, kid, well, he, kid, he thinks the professor's like me. But yeah, I, that's right. But the but the other the other point, Lou, is, is the money side. The money side looks great, but all all has to happen. And I'm going to accuse you of this because we got to go to break. All that has to happen is UCLA, because those are the numbers that I is three or four years from now. This new world where everybody's sort of an employee, and all of a sudden the school's got fifteen workman's camp claims, and all of a sudden some guy has. The brain injury ten years later, and are suing the place for, and you walk in and you got fifteen lawsuits against UCLA, and all of a sudden the board's going to go, "What are we doing with this?" I'm, I'm just saying that that's the way, that's the way it could go. Uh, it it yeah, there, it could it could also go the way of um, it could also go, and that situation could develop very easily, and I think it probably will because of the way that the, the federal agencies are looking at college athletes right now. And then it, it and then it could go the way of Hunter Biden's tax liability. Some some rich donor steps up and says, "I'm going to pay all of this. I'll pay your defense fees, or my law firm will take on your the defense of the school, because because it's good it's good business for us to be well, associated I, I, with your program." You know, it's it's funny. We one last comment. I we had to break. I learned two things at Notre Dame um, about collegiate sports. I absolutely love the fact that I could, you know. Have Dave Casper in class with me and go watch the guy play and have a huge pro career and I'm, we talked. I mean, I don't think he remembers me, but he was a good guy, you know. And, uh, and uh, same with, with some of the other. I mean, I, I thought that was absolutely spectacular. But it also, uh, whatever happened on Saturday, I got in the shower on Sunday. Even if we won, Lou, I didn't grow an inch anywhere. And I, I still had my my stuff in on Monday. 
it was an extracurricular it was something nice it was great but it didn't affect what i was doing there it didn't affect me i didn't win anything i mean these 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 older alumni that bask in this reflected glory what is the matter with these people I, mean, I honestly ask the question, what is the matter with you? I love to see the Irish win. My buddies use it as a, as a way to get together. So, yes. Chief, to the, to the, you, you know this, and, and you have to step aside from the intellectual assessment of this and look at the emotional links. Why do people tend to go back to their colleges, to oh, their, the areas where they We're going to back college? this year. I, I, I yeah. get that part, but the fact that whether you, you, you win or you lose doesn't affect me or my family or my job at all. But it creates an emotional it creates an emotional bond with the school that lasts I, I a lot it. longer than well, the intellectual bonds. You know what? And I have that. I'm just saying you got to separate one from the other and realize what they are. One is well, an emotional them, bond to you and your friends. You know, one of them translates into money, and you and you understand that. Well, the, th- the thought of me coming up with a million bucks to pay the tackle instead of leaving it to my family or my clients. Or you know, or lowered prices for my client. I would never even consider that. I mean, that's that. That's not what you do. The same way I would. I, I wouldn't give a thousand dollars for a ticket to a bear game. Just saying. I have a. I have a very separatist view of this. I love it. My matter of fact, my buddies are coming in two times this year. We can't wait to get together. So what you're talking about, I'm all over it. I'm just saying. At some point here, what are we doing? <laughs> just saying. Okay. So, do you need a break? We got to go to break. SP futures are down eighteen now. Nasdaq futures down one fifteen. We got Apple down another uh, uh, five bucks today. It was down seven yesterday. There was a big ouch in the market yesterday, and Nvidia's down another nine. So we've got some of the some of the bit magnificent seven here cracking a little bit. We'll be right back. Stocks and jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox. The control freaks guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage health care costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630 401 8810 or search us on the web at cognoshr.com. Cognos HR, innovation in human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. 
Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks, jocks, and jocks. stocks, and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello, no big stocks and jocks. I'm Tom Allen, Andrew on the board. SP Futures down 18, NASDAQ Futures down 117, so not a good looking morning. Dow Futures are only down 29, which is kind of odd since we got Apple down almost like 5 bucks. We got McDonald's up 250, so I guess that's maybe the other side of the coin, but still, it looks like most of the uh, Dow stocks are in the red, and the Dow Futures are only down 30. Uh, over in Europe, we've got the DAX uh, down 18.1%, FTSE up 9.1%, CAC around up 7.1%. So they're not, don't seem to be evolved at all in the sell off we have here. Uh, Yesterday, Dow was down 198, S&P down 31. Like I said, it was down, I saw it down 48. It might have been down 50, but it's certainly the high 40s for a while. Uh, NASDAQ down 148, over 1%. Again, mostly uh, Apple and NVIDIA. Over in Asia today, we've got the Nikkei down 249. Well, they've been up, but they're not down, not today. Uh, that's 0.7%. we got the Hang Seng down 247, 1.3%. Dangerously close to this 18,000 number again, 18,202. We got the Shanghai down 35, 1.1%. This is after the big real estate company actually made their payment yesterday, which I'm kind of surprised they could clobber today, but they are. Uh, bonds down one basis point, 4.27. The Bund down two basis points, 2.64. Japan unchanged at 0.66. We've got uh, uh, oil, which has been causing some problems, but now it's creeping back a little day, but still over 87 bucks. Down 47 cents, 87.07. Brent down 41 cents, 90.19. Natural gas up 2 cents, 2.53. Arbop making a move up 2 cents as well, 2.62. We've got gold up a whole buck, Chuck. Uh, 1945 kind of mired in his middle 1900s here. Silver, though, been getting whack whack. Down 18 cents, 23.32. Again, recently, under 23, it's been a buy over 25 a sell. Now, of course, that can change by the moment, by the minute, but I guess if it's over under 23, I'll, I'll take a look at it. Uh, and over 25, I guess I can't wait to get rid of it. A copper down four cents, 372. We've got Bitcoin up 31 bucks, but right where it was, 25,695. U.S. dollar, which has, has been fluctuating a little stronger today. Uh, Euro's down to 107, and we've got the British pound down to 124. That's a that's a recent low for the pound. The pound made it up to 128. I'm gonna say uh, 10 weeks ago. So that's a pretty good move in, in the pound. Two or three percent of currencies a lot. Andrew, what do you got for us? Traffic, weather, sports. All right, the 640 here in Chicago on September 7th. 
Uh, starting off with some sports, we had some wins today. It was the Cubs won against the Giants, 8-2. The Diamondbacks won against the Rockies, 12-5. And the White Sox won over the Royals, 6-4. Over to Chicago, we are currently at, uh, Chicago weather, excuse me. We are currently at 66 degrees. We have cloudy skies right now. Finally going to be a bit of a cooler one today. We're going to have a high of 69. That's going to hit around 1 p.m. And a slight chance of rain going up to about 20% uh, overnight, it looks like. And over in Phoenix, they're currently at 78 degrees. They're going to have a high of 107. Currently got clear skies. And that high is going to hit around 5 p.m. Now, finally, for Chicago traffic, uh, a little bit more red today than I think in the usual Thursday. But uh, looks like no major accidents to report. Uh, excuse me, just expect some heavy delays from about uh, Austin Avenue to about Kimball Avenue if you're coming in on that inbound Kennedy. Uh, other than that, it's just about business as usual, it looks like. So that's all I got. Back to you, Chief. Little, uh, last question on this. When we talk about the money that these firms are throwing, they're, they're, not, all, they're not all doing shoes. I mean, I'm obviously showing my age. Are, but they are, they're sponsoring and putting their advertising on these kids' websites and stuff. Do we have Lou? Oh, yeah. Sorry, I had muted my, uh, muted oh. my microphone to cough. Sorry. Right. <laughs> yes. So it's all it's yeah, all so, no so 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 they're they're putting in so a, a huge amount of the NIL money is is for personal appearances you know and and this is a lot of local stuff so people show up at car dealerships people show up you know wherever and and you know this is the this is the justification for paying the kid or the team you know big bucks okay but i mean so, we're not, we're not going to have Nike's not going to have uh a thousand pairs of shoes with five hundred people with different names on them. I mean, that, that that's that's not happening anymore. It's it's all it's a lot of a lot of it is their advertising. A lot of these guys have thousands of followers, right? So I mean, if they put a wow, tens tens yeah, yeah. of thousands of followers, so the kid the kid wears these shoes, or you know, and and, and I mean, usually the colleges cut these shoe deals, but the kid the kid may may be seen, for example, you know. The, <clears throat> the kid goes to a kid goes to a nightclub, um, shows up at a nightclub in certain types of clothes, wearing certain types of sneakers, um, gets photo gets photographed, gets gets seen. Uh, this goes out to his followers. You know, I'm rocking this, you know, this brand of clothing. I've got this kind of this kind of shoe on. Um, I'm at so and so. So now it's a triple. It's a triple hit. He gets money from the club for showing up. He gets money from the shoe company for for wearing the shoes. He gets money from the clothing company for wearing the clothing. Okay, I get it. And, uh, but and, now, you, if, and, if the Irish image. are the Irish are an Under Armour school, I think. If I'm the quarterback, I can't wear Nikes on the field, can I? Um, no, no, you can't. <clears throat> but but off the field, okay. off the field, okay. this this kid this kid is a you know he, he becomes a walking uh, a walking billboard. Okay. Um, it it's there are lots of variations on this, but again, this this goes to the this goes to this whole issue that I was talking about before we left, before we uh, checked out the the fact that the service academies are are just not going to be able to compete in this in this universe, and um, for for a number of reasons, I, I was working with some uh, some athletic folk. You know, booster folks here in Denver, like just sort of brainstorming about how you put money together for for a service academy team. What kind of NIL can you do? And 
the short answer is you you can't do anything while those kids are still playing um, they are prohibited from getting money they are prohibited from having outside employment um, the team I mean they might be able to to make personal appearances and the team get money but I'm not even sure about the legality of that yeah it might be well I guess the thing that's uh, circulating the back of my whatever peanut brain or something is I was uh, I was not I was not a marketing major, uh, Lou. I uh, but I for whatever reason I, I ended up being a chairman of the marketing committee at the CBOE for three or four years when I was on the board. And I learned a real lot from those guys. And one of the most interesting uh, quotes was from Chuck Henry, who was the president of the CBOE and one of the nicest and brightest guys I've ever met. I don't think he's still with us, but I hope he is. Uh, he says, "Tom, I know we're wasting half of our money, half our marketing money. I just don't know which half." There is. There isn't a person on earth, Lou, that when you go out to wherever you're going to go, go out to Sox Park or someplace, you're going to see 50 Coke signs, right, or Pepsi, wherever. wherever. There, isn't a, there isn't a soul that can tell you what the marginal value is of the last Coke sign. Like, if you only had 49, what are you losing? And I, and I think as, as people are throwing money at, like, all these kids just as a competition with the other firms, at some point... Somebody's going to say, okay, we gave Andrew half a million bucks for his website. What exactly do we get for that? How many pairs of shoes can we trace? Now, did we get click-throughs where they bought them right for the website, which, of course, maybe you can trace. I mean, I'm not as dumb on this as, I'm, as I may sound. Uh, but, I mean, at some point, see, people are going to say, what did we just do? Didn't that happen to uh, Adidas or somebody that totally overpaid for, like, three or four colleges a few years ago? And they said they were given millions of dollars at two or three universities plus all this equipment and at the end of the day they're like what did we get out of it well <clears throat> marketing marketing is very much an art yeah rather than a science ask ask uh, bud light <laughs> you know about yeah. about how fast things can things can turn in in totally unexpected directions I, I i the short answer is i don't know the 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 long answer is you have to remember that a significant portion of nil is not aimed at promoting a product it's just giving money to your school to make it a better football program or a better basketball program or but, he, but even that because i want to talk so about so ukraine the, your, your return you're you're looking at this you're looking at this from a from a purely you know bang for the buck well, kind of okay thing. but wait, the wait, bang wait. for the a huge a huge part of the bang for the buck is the emotional satisfaction that donor gets okay but my one of my good friends was a uh played for Beauchamp Beckler. he was a long snapper he played sometime in the games but he uh, he's got guys calling him, you know, and they want this money. So all right, so you're an alumnus and you get big bucks. You're an attorney, so you send them a million bucks. All right, you, you're going to do that once to establish the fact that Michigan or Notre Dame or somebody can compete, for lack of a better term, with these other schools in this game. But if you go out and get the uh, you know 15 pizza joints, I'll keep it simple, and uh, to to do. Uh, pay sponsorships to your offensive line or defensive line or whatever you better not pay the kid that whole money because you're not calling my buddy again next year and want another million bucks I mean, this, this, these units, this is where I'm going with all this, I'm trying to do the business thing these units are going to have to become self-sustainable, Lou, you can't, you can't hit the same guy up, what happened to my million bucks well I gave it to the two tackles and the guards well, you had to give them everything I mean, why, why couldn't you save why didn't you go out and raise 
you know, $3 million in sponsorships and give them two and still have the million investment at the end of the year. You, you, you're not going to do that every single year with these guys unless somebody has a printing press in their basement, or am I wrong? Uh, no, I, I think I think that's I think that's that's a correct assessment, and and it so so when this all rolled out, when this whole NIL thing rolled out, and we realized that the NC2A was not regulating this in the slightest, the first question that that came up for me as a as a sports lawyer was, okay, Title IX, how are we, how are you going to adjust this under Title IX? You're not at at what point at what point. Is this the school's money versus the player's money? It's not this this particular gentleman. I said, "Hey, what's the what are you giving the money to?" And he said, "An LLC. It's not tax deductible. It's not anything. It's not the school's money. It's not Michigan's money." Well, well, and but but again, um, if I'm <clears throat> this is the this is the fantastic you know force of the market, chief. If I'm if I'm donating money like that to, to I want it to go to I want it to go to the men's program. Yeah. You know, Nobody's nobody's turning out. I don't care how good your women's basketball program is, it's not producing what five percent, seven percent maybe of the revenue that your men's. But I'm program. saying if, if you and I set up this LLC for Air Force, Notre Dame, Michigan, Illinois football program, and it's not tax deductible, and we're just we're just doing it because we, wanna, we yeah, want to. Yeah, we want the emotional. Why, why why would the federal government be able to say we got to give some of that money to whatever guys because this or women's that? Because the federal government's full of of sleazy, you know, people who don't want you to be able to put money where you want to. They want you to put money where they want it, and and there are enough ideologues in in the, these federal agencies, and specifically, I'm talking about the Department of Education and their Civil Rights Division. There are enough ideologues in that group who are going to come in and say this is unfair for women, just like it's unfair. Well, if it was that, but chief, it's unfair that women's basketball doesn't get the same revenue that the men's basketball doesn't. And, of course, the answer from you and me is put a better product out there. You know, put an entertaining product out there. So the Civil Rights Division of the Department of Education is going to be roaring in here saying Title IX says that money's got to be equalized. I think if uh, this is just one man's opinion, and you're the attorney, you tell me, I think if these whatever these firms are, these LLCs, these corporations or whatever, if they... I'm going to say foolishly go down the road to somehow making this tax deductible, then the government's going to be all over them. If they don't, I don't see where they get the power. That, that's just me. That's, one, that's an early opinion. So, so they would come in to the school, and they would say that the, the civil rights attorneys would come in, and they would say, we note that NIL money is being funded or being funneled almost exclusively to your football program. And and the but not, but program, not by them. But it doesn't matter. It okay, doesn't matter. It doesn't they're going right. to come in and say that, and then they're going to say, "We can make you the object of a very expensive civil rights lawsuit." Oh, they they that, can screw with you. There's no doubt about that. That's exactly right. right. And and we will we will make we'll, we'll create this uproar, and because 98 percent of your faculty is progressive, and and are not free market types. But our, our big government types, you're going to have to fight your faculty, you're going to have to fight your donor base, and you're going to have to fight some other people as we as we work this case through. And oh, by the way, our theory will expand our our regulatory coverage. We're, we're going to adjust the regulatory schemes that that Department of Education has with respect to to these kinds of, of funding issues. We're going to go in and rewrite the regs. 
and they're going to be instantly approved by our uh, our executive leadership team. We won't need an act of Congress to do it, and and we're going to focus on you and this program here. You you, you, know, you could very well be right. I'm saying I I, I, I see the the people paying these kids getting further and further away from the universities. I think at some point, if you and I are into this, we're going to lose our affiliation. Not lose. We're, we're going to lose. I'm not going to lose my affiliation with Notre Dame and my buddies, but I'm, we're going to lose our affiliation. If we get some kid hot out of uh, Simeon High School and he's already got a big deal, I'm going to get him the place that I think is best for him in our marketing unit. It might yep. be Colorado, not Notre Dame. Yep. You know? Not Notre Dame, exactly right. Or, or I'll tell you where it could get even worse, Chief. You know, I, and, and I'm sure somebody's looking at this because I just thought of it, and if I could think of it, they can. You know, the football programs, the athletic programs, step away from the colleges so that we're not even we're not even calling these people that's, student athletes. That's what exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> you're just going to play. You're going to play for a team that's affiliated with Notre Dame. You're going to play for a team that's affiliated with Colorado, but you're not going to be. You sound like Rick Toner. Yeah, you sound like Rick Toner. I mean, yeah, now, your kids are not going to go to class. They're going to play football. When is they're going to be a feeder league for the NFL? When when are when are these guys going to realize that this is the this is the road they're on? And and you know, what did Jack Callan used to say? We don't know where we're going, but we're well on our way. You well, and I see where they're going. <laughs> Tom, Tom, these the 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 attack on or the the run on this program that we've just talked about with Title Nine. Is, is being led by ideologues. Yeah. And you know what the rule for an ideologue is. When an yeah. ideologue encounters reality, they, they don't change their they don't change their approach, they double down on it. No, well, they do. But I mean at some point I mean there is a law in this country. I'm not paying them. This guy the AAU guy's paying him. What, what do you want me to how how can I well, tell the AAU guy to send money well, to my to my women's and, fencing and, team? And that that's that's what I mean. That's what I mean. I I would expect I would expect the Department of Education looking at this and I'm sure people are to say, you know what, we need to change our regulations about dist- how we measure distribution of money under Title IX, and we are going to rewrite the regulations. We don't need to get any congressional involvement in this at all. We can rewrite right. the regs, the pre- tell the president what we're doing. He'll bless it. The secretary signs off on it, and, and we're rock and roll, and we're off to, we're off to court to, to go after this. All right, we have five minutes. What's going on in Ukraine? Um, um, and what's with very, Hunter Biden being indicted now all of a sudden? <clears throat> yeah, we'll see. Um, I, I, I'll be real interested to see what they what they do. I mean, at some point, I would love to see the Department of Justice start acting like the Department of Justice does with other people. So, if you had the the, the dirt, well, first of all, they've they've already dropped the two things, the two biggest things that that he could have been charged with in the felony tax uh, fraud and felony tax evasion. They could have they could have hammered him like with, with where did, that. Where did he put the money? Put it up his nose? Uh, yeah. Oh yeah, uh, he was he was running he was running a lot of he was running a lot of what's the term hookers and blow oh yeah uh, through uh, through his company and and trying to charge those expenses or yeah. as prostitute expenses as business expenses. Um, so how does how does somebody DOJ, DOJ had been acting normally? How does how does somebody with, under somebody normal make that kind of mistake? Much less somebody who knows he's in the spotlight. He's he's got a you know his brain's wired defectively i mean that that how many chances has this guy had this is a guy chief i mean he's an addict this is a guy who was who was shooting up cocaine before he before he went in for his navy physical 
That's well, why he was never commissioned in the Navy. He busted out of his, uh, he tested positive for, I think it was Coke, on his first uh, his first drug test. Well, I, I mean, it, anyway, if DOJ had been acting like, like DOJ normally does, like they would act with you and me, oh, they'd be, yeah, they'd, we're, we're, they would have been leveraging. They would have said, listen, you're going to go to, you're going to go to prison for 10 years on these tax charges and another, another five on the, on the gun charge. So let's start leveraging and you tell us everything you were doing with respect to these other businesses. And they would have been leveraging that in spades. They haven't done it. They won't do it. Um, we're the, the low hanging fruit, buddy. That's right. The special counsel is is the last guy that should have been that should have been put in there. The mission now, and I'm sure they're trying. DOJ is trying to figure out how to firewall this. The mission now is to protect Dad and to protect Sleepy Joe yeah. or whatever yeah. Luke Green or whatever whatever name he, he alias he was going by, and and to that's the mission to protect him. So so maybe they've come to an arrangement with the family. I'm sure this has all been orchestrated. They're coming to an arrangement with the family that they will do the felony charge. He will he will plead guilty to a felony charge. They will they will drop the sentence down to nothing. And uh, you know, they'll that way they can firewall off they can firewall off dad. Um, the again, the whole point of this, I, I don't I don't care two hoots about Hunter Biden except to the extent that he needs to provide support for, you know, one of his daughters. I don't I don't care about him. I care about what was happening with the relationship with the vice president of the United States and all of these foreign governments that that Hunter was milking for for money. And that's the story. I, and think, I don't think I don't think this DOJ special counsel has any interest in going after that. Well, I think if uh, we'll save Ukraine for next week, I think if you had a, a Dan Inouye who did a, an Iran Contra kind of thing with all the money that's headed overseas in the last 20 years we would see a stream of politicians and families and stuff all headed to Sing Sing. A that, stream. That may, be, <clears throat> that may be the case, but that, that's not any reason to not... Oh, I, I, I'm, oh, I didn't say that it was. I'm just saying that, that the idea of us, the people chasing government money, then they used to call them, what, the carpetbaggers? People in the North ran down and got the money that the North was using to build up the South again and then stole half of it after the yeah. Civil War. I mean, this is not a new game. No, no, it's it's not, but... The, the influence peddling, influence selling, uh, and direct what I consider to be direct bribes to a president, to a vice president of the United States, almost certainly with full knowledge of the golden boy, you know, Mr. Obama, uh, is is something that has to be that has to be uncovered. Well, and I mean, I, whether it's an impeachment or a, or a DOJ action, I don't care. Well, I don't. I just uh, I read the the Employee Retention Act stuff. You know, we hear commercials still all the time. And I don't know how you I don't know how you do it when you read laws. I mean, I never normally do, but I read a big chunk of that one. I don't think I'm the smartest guy around, but I read this thing and I go, "This was written by a restaurant lobbyist." <laughs> yes, <laughs> and I'm sitting there. How does anybody pass this thing written like this? Yeah, where the people with, yeah. with essential services don't get anything, but but if your bars close, five stools, and the restaurants still open. You don't need to have pass the revenue. I mean, I'm sitting there reading this. I go, this has got to be the restaurant union, or not the union, but a, I mean, it, but every, every lobbyist that gets something in one of these thousand page bills that somebody doesn't deserve, that's no different. People used to have to go overseas to steal the money. Now you can just steal it right here. Does that, I mean, there's, there doesn't seem to be any filter on any of this stuff, and I, you know, I I don't think it's positive for the long term. Do you? I mean, we're out of dough. It'd be different if they if they had a surplus. No. I, I I don't, and I don't see the kind of political will 
or or political discipline necessary to enforce any kind of standard like this. It'll it'll well someday when we default, that's what it'll happen. Yep. Who is uh yep. who's the guy who uh, real quick because we gotta we gotta get to the end here. Who's the dude who married uh one of Tricky Dick's daughters? It was uh Eisenhower's kid married one, right? Yes. And uh the other one married some guy who's uh he's gotta be up there now. But he, uh, they asked him. I read this on the show a few years ago. He, he works for some think tank, whatever. They, whatever. They, I, I guess it. They think, right? Look, <laughs> duh. <Yeah. laughs> I sort guess. I, I guess I can figure out what they do. Uh, they asked him, "When is all this going to end between the Republicans and Democrats and people stealing all the money and the lobbyists and all that stuff?" And he goes, "We haven't hit bottom yet. We have to. We have to hit bottom." And I just said, "I'm, re- I, I'm sitting there going, I know this guy's right." But I, I, I don't know what bottom's going to look like, Lou. What's it going to look like? Weimar Germany? Uh, I'll, I'll tell you. This is this is a scary. This is kind of a scary analogy that I just analogy that I just heard. Liberty runs on four boxes: the soapbox, the ballot box, the jury box, and the cartridge box. Yeah. And, and right now, you've got one party running, running, three of them: the soapbox, the jury box, and the ballot box. And that just leaves the cartridge box. And that's not that's not a very attractive, attractive thought. On that note, Lou, uh, your Air Force, are you guys any good this year? Uh, they got some speed. We'll see. I mean, they play up. They play a pretty good, a pretty good Sam Houston team that uh, that just stepped up to Division One. That looked uh, looked like something against BYU. But uh, you know, for, for for those kids, it it it's as much when you play people because because they actually yeah. have to take tests and go yeah. to class. So we'll see. Well, I looked at Duke on the Irish schedule, and I go, "There's a Patsy." I just crossed them off the Patsy list. They they've got some they got some players. It, I didn't I had no idea they had nine wins last year. Yeah, yeah they they had some they had some players. Do so, they, do they uh, have a stadium? Can you get into a game, or is it the stadium small? Oh yeah, football? no Wallace Wade. If you looked at Wallace Wade, it was uh, it was only about uh, 65 percent full. Wallace so, Wade Stadium. What is what does it hold? Um. Maybe forty five, fifty thousand. So, so real. It's a real number. It's not like it's twenty five or anything like that. Okay. No, I, I mean, I mean, maybe, maybe forty thousand. It's about the same size as Air Force's stadium. All right, bud. You take care of yourself. Have a nice weekend. SP Futures down twenty one. NASDAQ Futures down one twenty four. Very short break because we're a little over. We'll get Mr. Dan Janinas right in here. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Stocks, jocks, and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. There's something happening here. 
what it well, is. Well, thanks, Jackson. I'm Tamar Andrew on the board. SP Futures down 20. NASDAQ Futures down 123. I thought we were going to bounce here after yesterday. Uh, we are not bouncing. We've got to be very close to, if not past the lows of yesterday. Do we have the Professor Dan Janinas? We do. Dan, what's going on? What's, it, what's happening to my apple? Um, well, um, I am in St. Pete. I've, <clears throat> I've been here the last couple of days doing some company visits. And... Um, had a chance to see the Red Sox and the Rays last night. Really, I was watching it. Uh, ended up, how bad, is that stadium as bad as it looks? Um, you know, it depends on what you compare it to, right? Well, compare it to uh, Little League feel. It's, 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 in, it's indoors. I don't know how they see the balls because the lighting is really uh, strong. But um, it's not bad. I mean, it's big. You know, if you used to go in a Fenway Park, it's a it's a uh, it's a big stadium, and um, yeah, it has all the bells and whistles and all that, and. Um, the biggest disappointment is just not to see the crowds. I mean, the Rays have a decent team this year, so, um, but they don't seem to have the following. Florida sports generally don't have the following that they do in like places like Boston, Chicago, New York. But it's, it's artificial turf surface, right? Yes. Well, are you a proponent? What did uh, that was his name? Was it Chip Carey said there, uh, there there needs to be a baseball one baseball field in Florida, and it should be in Orlando and not Tampa or Miami. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I don't know. But, I mean, that's uh, so you were uh, so you're seeing some guys and you went to the game, uh, skybox, yeah, yeah. I, skybox, I assume. No, no, no. But we had good seats. It was a Boston College alumni event. Oh, really? So, well, um, good for that. Most of the most of the people in our section were BC fans. Not all of them, but most of them were BC. I mean, were Boston fans. So, well, there were people watching it that triply tapped the Boston bar. So that's why I was watching it. Ah, ah, okay, terrific. Terrific. Um, so if you were listening last week, or if you remember from last week, we were saying that, um, you know, we were lightening up in stocks, which we did last week. And, and you know, I, I'm, my biggest concern here, and I think the market's playing itself out like this, is really oil prices. They're not getting much attention, right? If people are talking still about the Fed and interest rates and, and, you know, pretty much everything else. But just like last time, if you think about March of 2020, when people were thinking about COVID and not oil prices, um, you know, oil just went, you know, through the floor first and then through the roof later. So we've seen this this really um, kind of slow and steady increase, not necessarily slow, relatively quick increase in um, in oil prices, which is will at some point start being seen at the pumps and certainly start impacting um, airlines and a transportation industry. And frankly, a lot more than most people realize, you know, getting your goods, um, you know, we're still an oil-driven economy, and as much as a lot of people don't want to believe that, and I do think oil still has a major impact on on us, and higher oil prices really are going to, I think they're going to be the um, the one thing that keeps the market from, you know, extending the rally that we've seen this summer. Um, we had one of the ladies on uh, CNBC, CNBC yesterday or something was saying that this is the, like, the largest post-summer well, I guess we're sort of post summer. The last post, the biggest post summer oil rally we've seen like ever in terms of percentage. Oh, no, I believe it. It's 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 been it's been. Um, I think it's been somewhat overlooked um, by the, you know, by the financial media. And um, you know, I just want to make a point that pay attention to oil. <laughs> well, I'm looking as at a the... high yield manager as a high yield manager. My my whole career, we've had to follow oil. There are a lot of oil um, energy companies in the high yield universe and. Um, so that's, you know, we've always had it on our radar screen, but a lot of people, you know, are, who are thinking about, you know, some of the tech names, for example, are forgetting that oil still drives 
on the world economy. And, you know, the, the issues with Russia and the Saudis and, you know, price control and all that, that was going on back in March of 2020. And I think because of what was happening in China with COVID, people just ignored, you know, they weren't, it wasn't so much they were ignoring it, they just weren't, weren't giving enough attention. And I really think that was the, you know, what really triggered our, our first, our sell-off. And then finally, um, you know, we had the, the nice rally, which which helped. But Dan, I got his I got his bottoming out here. If I get the right, if I finally get my I got his bottoming out uh, this year, and uh, the twenty sixth of June, where oil closed at sixty seven seventy. Now it's eighty seven oh one. So it's a hell of a run from there. It, yeah, uh, it, it it is a hell of a run, and I think people coming back from vacation this week or from their summer breaks were were kind of starting to pay attention and. And certainly the you know the concern about higher rates, and I do think rates stay, if not go higher from here. But you know the impact is going to be gradual. The other thing that I think a lot of people who were on vacation are coming back and realizing is inflation is still there. If they were eating out or or traveling, you know they were still looking at a you know ticket prices on on airlines and and um, you know the cost of a bear, for example. And a buddy of mine just told me this morning that they paid ten bears, ten bucks for a Bud Light at a neighborhood bar. Yeah, yeah. You know, not not any place special, certainly. And so th- we definitely still have inflation, and and oil is you know gas prices and oil prices are not going to help that. Well, you have um, uh, the it as well. You you do more of the, the fixed income stuff, and a lot of that is is a uh, is good for you because um, one of the groups you know that I do some business for. A lot of the in- investors uh, do a lot of their own stuff as well, you know, which is good and bad in yes. a lot of ways. But um, it is interesting how the uh, how can I say this nicely? And somehow the retail mentality really wants to be the hardest conversation you can have with people is to have them stay diversified. They really want to be if you if you have stuff diversified and say, okay, we're going to be ten percent gold and silver. And we're going to be something here and something here and something here. This this looks pretty good. It looks pretty good. If it's two months into it and gold hasn't moved, you're going to get the call. I don't want to be in gold anymore. So, I mean, this particular year, you're talking about the oil. At the end of last year, with the the, the seven stocks all basically flat on their ass, right? Right. Nobody wanted to be in them. And last year, if you listen to CNBC, everybody wanted to be in oil. Some of them like the metals. They all wanted to be in the more standard kind of stocks for paying dividends and those kinds of things. And all of a sudden, those stocks go nowhere. Oil goes nowhere. And, and your other, the seven start to, to take off like, like somebody put an afterburner on them, right? So I'm actually, I actually looked at a few portfolios of people, potential clients, and they're all back in to those stocks at way higher prices than they got out. Absolutely. And by the way, I don't know a soul that's in the XLE. <clears throat> we might have a few people that are still in the XLE, which is the oil piece of the S&P right. 500. And now guess what? Oil's running to the moon, those other stocks are going down. You just you just can't do that. If you're, right, maybe, yeah, you know. absolutely. It's, it's, you know, we're long-term investors, which is, you know, which really um, is really, the, as far as I'm concerned, the only way to be. Trying to time the market, especially now, because we're not in that period that we were in for, you know, for the first decade, right, where you could be in the SPY, you could be just in the index, right, the S&P 500 yeah. index, and be making money. Now we're in a stock selection, or actually a, an industry selection, if you will, a sector selection market. It's, a, it's sector selection. It's it's it's, it's bizarre, isn't exactly. it? Exactly. Exactly. And the thing is, if you start chasing, you know, getting in later, like oh, everybody else is in, the fear of missing out, then you go to tech. 
all of a sudden it's industrials, you know, and that that's been moving like this for the last year. It's been hard to make money in stocks, and you know, as I mentioned, us getting out last week out of most of our stocks. One name that we stayed in, and one name that we like that I've mentioned on here before, and coincidentally, the company that that I was visiting uh, yesterday here, uh, Comfort Systems. Um, they're they're um, um, one of the largest uh, manufacturers of HVAC systems. Um, but think about hospitals. These are com- these are commercial guys, right? They're not they're not the guys for your your house. Oh, yeah, they're not your, your they're not the guys for your houses. But we did a, you know a closer look at the company. Met with the um, president of the Tampa location that you know they had bought this company out about five years ago, and he actually got to see a pre you know to go on a tour of a factory that does um, prefab um, mostly duct work. Well, that had to be neat. That had to be neat. That'd be real neat. Yeah, it was very cool. Yeah, in a very well-run company, they treat their employees really well. But again, the takeaways, just as the takeaways that I got from some of the the meetings at the conference in in Chicago with the CEOs, the takeaways are that still very difficult to get good help, especially for you know younger people. So we're looking around the factory, and I'm thinking a lot of these guys that are out here are my age. You know, they're they're yeah. they're, they're they're older guys. You didn't see this like young group of talent coming in um, in the factories, and you and you saw a. Um, you know, they're, certainly they're having to pay more for labor, even training labor. So I remember, you know, my best buddy growing up went into HVAC um, and now runs a successful construction business. But they used to have, you know, you could go to a school like, you, you know, like a trade school for a year after after high school. And um, they don't exist anymore. No. And no. a lot of the schools have taken out the, um, you know, the, the, the vocational. Um, I think some of that's starting to come back again, but there is... Real slow. Real slow. Really slow, yeah. yeah. So as a result, you don't have talent. You don't have people coming in to replace these um, older people that are leaving. So this firm, what we like about them, again, is they're, they're very well run. What's their symbol, Dan? The symbol's a... Uh... Fix, F-I-X. Now, uh, real quick, I, I know I interrupted, sorry. Is, is a lot of what they're doing now, I guess your initial thought would be they're dependent on new construction, but they're probably not really because these no. older buildings all want to upgrade and they all want the newer yeah. units and they save money. So what percentage of their business would you say is, is existing? I'll bet the existing business is 75% so for, of it. Yeah, so 40% of it is service. Okay. So service of existing facilities. And a, more than half of their business is with hospitals. Okay. So they're, you know, you've got a kind of recession resistant market and, and a lot of money has been funded. You're for not talking about just air conditioning here. You're talking about air purification systems and everything. Some really serious stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. And they, it's much more detailed, much more involved. So they're, okay. they're higher margin businesses. Um, but this company has grown through acquisition. This is just one of their better, you know, I don't want to say better, but it's certainly a, a a really good acquisition that they made about five years ago with a company that had a you know similar corporate culture, treat their employees really well. Um, you know, it was, it was very um, encouraging to see see this. But some of the issues that they brought up again, talking about labor, continuing to be an issue. And I know I've heard that across the board. Another issue is um, supply. You know, supply chains starting to improve, but we don't do a lot of manufacturing here in the United States. That's still a problem. I think here and so uh, as a result you they, they still might need one part right from China yeah oh yeah or from space in Asia and as a result that is still causing some issues with 
some of the supply chain issues, and that's been um, frustrating for them. Another thing, obviously, if gas prices continue, to, I mean, if oil prices keep going up, they're, you know, they've got to transport the goods, and, and even though they're relatively local, that's not going to help. Um, but they've managed to pass on costs. You know, it's a good, it's just a well-run business, and certainly, I think in the future we can see. You know, there's a lot of funding for this area. They have a backlog. They're turning away clients. So, you know, it's a good, it's a, a good solid business. And if you look at the price history since we started talking about it on here, going back to May, where the stock was around 130, I think it closed at 186, 187 yesterday. So it's it's just been steady, a steady eddy through this, you know, the, some of the bumps we've had. And this is this is what we look for. We look for these opportunities that will do well regardless of the environment. And they're long-term focused, just as we are. You know, they're they're, they're not a an exciting business, but they're a um, a, a necessity. You know, and and they're well, you know it's a Dan, I think, business. I think uh, you know I, I'll run this by you. What you're seeing, what you're saying about the the training. We're starting to see some of the training. Uh, Kevin's doing at Ivy Tech. A lot of that yes. goes on at Moraine Valley. A lot of that goes on at College of DuPage. What you're saying is it, it's no longer in the high schools, and that's where I mean, my cousin went to Tilden Tech. They used to have a, a garage out there where they had an airplane, uh, aircraft engine in there where they used to take it apart and put it back together again. I mean, they, you don't see it in the high schools, and no. you know, and I, this is not a slam. Uh, it, it, it's sort of reality. It's the economics of it. I, People maybe my age or a little younger, when you saw in the Chicago area for sure, manufacturing every year down, down, down. Yes. You would you would never even dream of promoting your kid into that vocation. Yes. Not because it's not a good vocation, not because it isn't really good work and enjoyable and all the other stuff. Because boy, I love building railroad cars. Uh, it's just there was no future in it. You could you couldn't. You couldn't see yourself. I'll, I'll bet the guys that you went into that plant that are 60 years old, 20 years ago, gave themselves 10% chance of still being in the business when they got to be 60. Yeah, absolutely. And I think what they're trying to do now, Chief, is they're, they're hanging on to these guys because they don't have the younger ones coming in. Right. So they're paying them a little more for their their experience and their and you know the fact that they're going to stick around. So so they you know they provide a good work environment and. Um, and you're exactly right. One of the guys that spoke at the uh, conference, you know, there last week, he had a very good point, um, talking about you know doing some some of the putting some of the data to some of what we're observing, and and one of the things is just watching the decline in manufacturing in the United States over the years, and it's it's really sad. It's interesting we're talking about trying to keep up on the tech side, but we really need to be keeping up on the manufacturing side. That's you know I think too many companies just shifted to China. And now realizing that wasn't necessarily the way to go. I've never thought it was the way to go. Oh, without a doubt. We should have. We well, should we, have. We, uh, when you say it's it's the way to go, we, to be perfectly blunt, we, we off offshored child labor, slavery, and pollution. Yeah. Yeah. Because guess absolutely. what? It's still, if you can get it, if you're a company and you can get it, you still want it, unfortunately. Yeah. No, no, no. I, uh, I 100% agree. But all that being said, one other thing that is going on that, that I'm observing, and again, from talking to people, is just the strength in the construction industry. You know, and, the, and these guys sort of, you know, you know, that I met with yesterday just kind of reinforced that, but I'm seeing it, uh, you know, across the board. It may be where we are here in Florida that we're still in a very, you know, we're in a boom economy. But any major city, including Chicago, you, you still see a lot of cranes and development and, 
Um, and I think that'll continue, you know, with the infrastructure bill. I think at some point we're going to see more funding there. I know a lot of companies say that they've seen that. Also, the fact that architects are still in high demand, you know, they start our economy. So they, you know, they're at the beginning yeah. of the cycle. So the fact that they're still in demand today yeah, did is they, a good thing. Did they uh, mention, or were you able to discern, because you're a pretty bright dude, what's the, what's the life cycle? Let's say 425. We used to be in the building next to the CBOE. Yeah. It's, it's I'm going to say the thing opened in 1990. What's the life cycle of the the full HVAC system where you got to say, okay, it's time to really redo this from, from job one come November when it's cold out? And, and you know, yeah. what's... How, no, it's a, I how, think it's a good question. And, and so so you think of your house, right, yeah. at home. And, and so you might have, what, 20 years, 15 years. But when you think of, of commercial or when you think of, like, you know, hospitals or whatever, one thing that they have to do is continuously update them, right? Yep. So that there's improvements in, in technology and all that. So, for example, at the local hospital, the Tampa General Hospital, who's, who's one of their um, customers, they're upgrading the entire system. So there will be, like, you know, there, there will be, like, a certain life, like a, a lifespan that the that the original system has, but then there's a better system that's, you know, more um, fuel, you know, it's, it's, it's economically, makes a lot more sense economically, but it also provides, um, you know, maybe a purification and, yep. and, you know, better, you know, and so that, that's, you know, at the same time. And, and what's good about all that happening is that the, that'll keep these guys in business well, because I, they I, need, need to continue to service, service these and then upgrade them. So it may not be a total, start from the beginning, you know, get rid of the old system, put in the new system, it might just be upgrading the current system. Yeah, I'll bet it's 20, 25 years when you got to do a major... I would, I would say, yes, that's, that's. I would say it's about that, and I would say it's probably about that in your home as well. Well, now, if, you, know, if, if, you, if you could resurrect my mother, uh, she yeah. they, they put one in, we moved into this house, got in like 1969 or something, so she gets the air conditioner, and it's a 30-year guarantee, right? So... The thing conks out like 29 and a half years into it. And, uh, she pulls it out and goes, where is this guy? <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Are they still around? I go, ma'am, he's been dead for 10 years. Give, let him rest. <laughs> yeah, you know, but you know, she, you know she, if you want to hear an interesting story, my parents, their boiler just went. In Bo- you know, they're in Boston, and, and thank God it was the summer and not the winter right because they're 88 and 90 yeah and um my dad was able to you know they literally went back to the same guy who's now in his mid-80s who was the <laughs> one who ended up replacing it so it was it was it, uh, that whole generation thinks alike i mean she was my mom they, is not alone they said 30 no, years i met 30 years yeah <laughs> so she's not alone at all oh, one other point i want to mention another kind of observation um over the past week is just um there has been an increase in defaults Yes, and this has been this has been interesting because with high yield bonds, which we focus on, um, the the spreads are tight, which means that they're they're somewhat expensive, based on the fact we we will continue to see more defaults. Part of the reason that they've remained spreads have remained tight and they've um, remained pricey is that with some of these companies, think about Carvana, thinking about think about some of the regional banks, you know, that got bailed out. Uh, think about Yellow. The, the truck company, the freight company. So they got funding. They were able to find funding. Whether and, but then the funding went under with Yellow. God, those people just lost all their money, right? Absolutely. But, but think about now the big thing is what they call private credit. So private credit is replacing a lot of the bank, um, you know, the banks that have tightened, and now all of a sudden they're being funded by private credit. 
So that's the new hot topic. And I do think we're going to see rise and defaults because I don't think the funding is going to continue for these companies. I think we've only had a few here and there um, that have defaulted and they've been poor management. Think about um, as a Bed Bath and Beyond, um, you know, some of the retail stores that have that have recently defaulted. But there, there have been, there's been money to support that. That won't be there for a long time as defaults increase. And the the companies that were highly leveraged and poorly managed are the ones that are going to continue to have pressure on them. And I think we see more defaults, you know, in the future. And again, I think that would be a negative catalyst, if you will, for the overall what did, market. What did you make of the last second payment of their in, after a thirty day grace period of the was it was it Covent yeah. Garden or whatever? Is it did, did they get yeah. that money from the Chinese government or did they just manage to find it somehow? I think what's happening. I think what's happening is that the funding is it's sort of indirectly coming from China, if you will, not maybe directly, but there's money that's being put into China with you know companies like BlackRock and some of the other larger investment firms, and even you know a lot of the alternative managers that you know the private equity hedge funds venture money that's gone over there. So then it's you know it's sort of coming full circle and it's getting reinvested, if you will, in some of these U.S. companies. So so that's you know that's another trend that's happening. I, I just think of it as very short term, like a band aid, if you will. Well, let's hope they're not they're not putting more money in just so the places don't default. You know, you know where that ends up. Yeah, it's that, and that's the yep, yeah, and that's that's what I'm trying to get at is, um, you know, the, the one of the discussions that came up yesterday with the, the you know with the president of this company is talking about mergers and acquisitions, and you know, if you are looking for an acquisition or you're looking for you know, to, to go private, if you're a public company looking to go private, be very cautious about the, the private equity side because their focus is strictly on the bottom line, yeah. it's on the numbers, and their other focus is really short term because these guys, the one thing I can say about having run a hedge fund and really gotten to know that world pretty well and also hired alternative managers over the years, their focus is very different than ours, Chief. Like, we have a much longer focus right. in what we do. We're, we're, we're thinking about our clients over a much longer time horizon and we're not really just in it for the money i mean we we really enjoy what we do we you know we really want to help these people out so there's a huge distinction when a company is looking for a way out well if you steal too um, much if you steal too much money from your client it, it comes out of your return so that doesn't do you any good exactly there you go absolutely and we, we have the same exact philosophy yeah, so the, the good news is i made four percent the good news is you didn't make anything i think of annuities when i think of that for some yeah. reason i had a client recently that didn't realize that she you know that she was being told she was making four percent but we found out she was she was um getting charged about four and a half so <laughs> well dan what uh it's, we we you know I, the thing i don't want to see happen I'm, i've been i've been spotting well not me personally but i uh uh, I don't know if you listened last Friday. Carl was all over the labor numbers and and how they were. And then I listened to people on CNBC talking about the Goldilocks report. It, it was anything but that. It was it was all an adjustment. It was people losing full time to part time. It was it could have been the worst report at the end of the day I've ever seen. I mean, uh, I agree. Yeah, but so we we in my uh, you know the obviously I have a finger on the on the pulse of what's going on at least in the southwest suburbs with. Audrey and Nancy to come out on Monday, and like nobody, nobody wants to get a new mortgage because everybody's got a three and a half, four percent mortgage, right? All right. of a sudden, they're starting to see some layoffs, and people actually have houses for sale because they're worried about getting laid off and stuff. Uh, they're they're creeping around, you I know, mean, whether they're full time down to part time, where all of a sudden you got to pay your own health insurance. I mean, it's a bad stuff for people, and and a lot of people are into houses. 
where neither one of them, if they both work, can carry to place themselves, which is kind of danger, danger. And I, I just wonder if, if we're not going to see one of these days people come to the, the idea that things aren't as good as everybody says it is. I mean, I, these guys were talking about Apple the other day, and the stock's down another five-something today. They were talking about how it's still the one stock, blah, blah, blah. And one guy on the, on the panel says the, the revenue has been down three or four quarters. Now, now, I know when they come out with a new phone, a lot of times the quarters before don't look so good, and then they come out with a new phone and it kicks back up again. But the, the revenue numbers are not that good for these places. And the, They're not. I think the only, the only leg of the stool that's still standing is the stock market. And I and I hope it doesn't. I hope it doesn't. That that stool doesn't get pulled out. But I'm thinking we're almost getting to a spot here where we're a little dose of reality and a lot of people maybe you can't you can't ever fix your broken leg if you don't know if, if, if people keep telling you it's not broken. Right. Maybe no, that, you're exactly right. And, and and you know as we discussed before that you know depending on the way the wind blows, you know some of the some of the. Uh, Reports we're getting from from the Bloomberg's and the and the CNBCs are are, are going to change day to day. It depends on what day you happen to tune in. So I think tuning into to this show is really you know we're 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 talking you know I'm talking for example directly to the CEOs of the yeah. company, oh, yeah. the ones who are who are running our country. They're the ones who are going to give you not only the short term picture but more importantly the the big picture on on what they're seeing and how they're dealing with it day to day. And they're not just trying to be a you know Monday you know a quarterback you know trying to talk about you know what went wrong in the game over the weekend it's this is this this is people's money that we're talking about here and and you know that's one trend that you're seeing in Chicago what we're seeing in Florida is a lot of people on fixed incomes who can't afford you know they're living in condos or HOAs you know like my development is a a golf course community with HOAs they get they have fixed incomes and they got to increase the HOAs because of property taxes, insurance, especially, um, you know, the cost of, of getting all the workers um, to, to, you know, to work in the facilities and, and in, the, in these developments. So so people are having to downsize or move back to, you know, Chicago or Boston or wherever they were from and live with their kids or whatever. There ha- there's been this sort of shift to that I've, I've started to see um, with people that, you know, it's the, the fixed people on fixed incomes that, you know, the affordability is hitting even if they paid off their mortgage. Well, the idea, I mean, the, the cost of entertainment is, I mean, oh, crazy. you know, that's the one thing you can, but but I, I've noticed uh, full changes, uh, Dan, we got to head off here, but, and I've said this before, I'll be real brief, I've, I've, I've seen a whole different, I mean, again, on weekends I'm on the south side, I've seen whole restaurants that used to have, like, a later crowd, the, the Irish Bar Pizza Place has been there forever, and Saturday night closes at 9.30 now, they don't, there, there's no yeah. after-movie crowd, there's no after football game crowd. There's there's zero of that. And, and, and you know what? Go- and you know what? Part of, part of that chief is like going to the game last night and, and seventeen bucks for a hot dog. I'm yeah. thinking, wow, there's nobody in line to get the food. This is great. Like we came in and we're able to grab grab a sandwich, a sandwich and a drink, and and you know before the game started, and there wasn't anybody. You know, there was nobody in line that we used to remember. You used to have to fight to get yeah. the the dollar hot dogs, or the guy would come around with them. And you know, the, when you're out in the bleachers. And also another place I went that I hadn't been in a while was uh, on this trip was Cracker Barrel, which is a big chain on the East Coast. You could always be guaranteed a decent lunch for ten bucks, and that exact same lunch the other day was twenty. Yeah, and, and, and it's not that you know for me it's not a big deal, but the one thing I noticed that place is always packed, and I would say there was probably a third of the people, yeah. uh, only about a third of the you know of the of the tables were taken. Yeah, so, but it's, you're missing they're missing whole crowds. It, 
they're missing it and they're missing the point also so that understandably so their their costs have increased but they're they're going to lose their customers well the uh again we have the, the talk about a, a chairman and i don't know if you ever go interview somehow or another this had to be seven eight years ago the chairman of white castles is on yes, tv yeah. and they said what's the biggest threat going forward in your in- industry and he said that's easy the spread between what it costs to eat out and what it costs to eat at home has never been yep. higher and it's and it's rising i mean eggs eggs are back down i got some i buy them for the office here because you know there's still not a place down here to breakfast i'm getting i'm getting large for a buck nine and jumbos for a buck 19 for a dozen yeah. That's, that's four omelets, and the omelet, you find an omelet even on the south side for less than twelve bucks. It's yeah, a lot, I mean, it's a lot you, get that, Dunk, you get yeah. that Dunkin' Donuts around, around the corner from you, so that's yeah. my Boston three, plug, three, right? Three, three fifty, uh, three fifty for a coffee. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's it's crazy. It's, I mean, I just uh, Andrew went over, and got us a couple of large coffees. He gives me the change. I get like I, I get like uh, ten fifty out of a twenty for two cups of coffee. I'm like, like yeah. really? <laughs> Yeah, no, I agree. <laughs> anyway, yeah, Dan, thank you. Have a nice weekend, buddy. Are you uh, are you yachting this weekend? What are you doing? Oh, you're you're in uh, you going back home? Or are you hanging up in? Uh, I'm, I'm, gonna head, I'm gonna head. I'm gonna head back home yeah, for for the weekend. Hopefully, a, a relaxed, a quiet weekend. After All right, buddy. Take week. care of yourself. Well, next week, yeah, you I got a feeling today. This the end of this week and next week might be interesting. September. Yeah, oh, can, I think so. September yeah. can. We're down 28 points now. If you're watching this, and the S and P is down 170, and Nasdaq does not look good. I got Apple down five. We'll be right back, Mr. John Flanagan. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities Luckbox is 7.99 on newsstands but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks don't rely on luck get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Stocks, jocks, and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Well, I'm Stocks and Jocks. I'm Tom Andrew on the board. Our market is leaking since we got here. It's leaking pretty bad. Now we're down 28.50. And the S&Ps are down 170, and the Nasdaq, we're, I think we're way below the lows of yesterday because we came back some on the close. But yesterday, we still were down uh, 198 on the Dow, 31 on the S&P, and 148 on the Nasdaq. The Nasdaq didn't come back that much. It was down maybe 195 at one point, so it came back some, but it still was over 1%. Over in Europe, DAX down 35.2%. Uh, 
Footsie's actually up 16.2, and the cat grinds up two. Call that flat. So, not much going on in Europe. They're not following us into the, into the crap over here for whatever reason. I guess whatever. Maybe it's a good reason. Nikkei down 249. First time they've been down in a while. It's 0.7%. Hang Seng back to its losing ways down 247, 1.3%, and that's a big move. Shanghai down 35, 1.1%. This is after the big property place yesterday. Somehow found the money to pay their interest. Uh, and, their, and all their, their debts, uh, th- after a 30-day grace period, almost made it up by the hour. They, they, ma- they made the deadline. Uh, bonds, up two basis points, 4.30. The bond minus one basis point, 2.64. Japan unchanged, 0.66, where it's been for like a really long time. Oil, which is causing some of this, down 45 cents today, but still over 87 bucks, 87.09. Rent down 33 cents, 90.27. As I mentioned earlier, in uh, the end of June, oil was uh, 67 bucks, so it's up... You know, pushing 30 percent in there. That's a lot. Of course, that was a low. I mean, but still, it's up a bunch. Natural gas up a penny, 2.52. Our bob up two cents, 2.62. Gold up a whole 60 cents, 1944. Kind of mired in this middle 1900. Silver, however, heading south pretty rapidly here. It was 25 hours, maybe five days ago. Now it's down 26 cents to 23.24. We got copper down three cents to 372. Bitcoin uh, up 13 bucks, so I'll say no movement there. 25,678, and the U.S. dollar is now stronger again, with the euro under 107, uh, 106.9, and the, and the pound one under 125, 124.5. That's as low as we've seen both of those in a while. So a strengthening dollar is uh, it, so far it's not good for the market. Uh, Andrew, what do you got for us? Traffic, weather, sports. All right, it is uh, 7:37 here in Chicago on September 7th. Uh, starting off with some sports, we have some wins today. The Cubs won over the Giants, 8-2. Diamondbacks run, excuse me, Diamondbacks won over the Rockies, 12-5. And the White Sox won over the Royals, 6-4. Over in Chicago, we are currently at uh, 66 degrees. We have cloudy skies and a slight chance of rain throughout the day. It's going to be highest around uh, 19% overnight. Um, over in Phoenix, currently at 78 degrees. they got clear skies. They're going to have a high of 107 today, and that's going to hit around 5 p.m. Now, finally, for Chicago traffic, uh, things are looking pretty heavy today. If you're coming on the uh, inbound or outbound Kennedy, uh, expect delays from about Austin Avenue all the way to downtown. Uh, same for the uh, same for the Eisenhower as well. Inbound or outbound, for, that's about from 17th Avenue all the way to downtown. Uh, no major accidents to report on these roads, but uh, it looks like you expect heavy delays if you're coming in from any direction today. So that's all I got. Thank we you. have Mr. Flanagan. You do, Tom. Good morning. Um, good morning. I'm giving you some good news. Uh, Tesla to install charging stations at 2000 Hilton so you can plug your Tesla in there while you're sl- while you're snoring at the Hilton. At the Hilton. Just saying. I'll sleep better tonight, Tom. <laughs> so how are you? You've been kind of listening and all this crazy stuff. We're talking about a lot of subjects, but they all kind of seem to be zeroing on the same one. Uh, um, we have some market sell-off here, and now, now we're down 31. Uh, it's starting to look kind of ugly, but we're not taking Europe with us, which is kind of weird. Uh, but these are the stocks that uh, everybody let me know. Apple's going to be down $13. Let me, let me see where this thing topped out at. $13 in a couple of days. That's, you know, you got a gazillion. It was, uh, where were we? We were uh, 196 on the 31st of July, and now we're 176. So we're talking uh, 20 bucks. We find out how many shares they have outstanding. Of course, it was, it's been up, but still, um, for whatever reason, John, I think people lose more on the way down than, uh, than they make on the way up because you end up picking up your margin on the way up. Uh, anyway, so so what, what, do you, what did you uh, 
out of what you've been listening to, what are you what are you commenting on? What do you what do you what do you think? What do you think I'm screwed up the most you know, with Dan or the with? Thing, the, the thing I've been I've been thinking about most um, since last week um, was the you know, discussion you and Carl had and have had with other people since then about the job numbers last Friday and the obvious cooking of these numbers. Um, it, you know, it's just kind of jaw dropping how you know these adjustments are so radical and horrendous, but it's all now in history. You know, it's in our rearview mirror. It makes me wonder, and I, I think you and Carl and a bunch of other people probably know why they do it, but it's just to blunt the, the effect of how a, a bad jobs report, like the ones we're seeing, but, but that are being masked, um, would have on other markets. And it's, it's a way of buying time, I think, to keep people distracted or to you know, buy into the fiction that things aren't as bad as we feared they'd be this month, and next month will be another month. We'll see what happens then. But when these adjustments are always downward and and show disturbing trends and how stretched people are, at some point things are going to catch up with you know the attempt to fog everybody about this. And I wonder if we're getting close to that point where you know there's no masking it anymore. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. It's. I mean, Jan, we were. Even though we're not kids anymore, we 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 weren't alive for like 150 years, so we really don't know if there's other times in history where this is, you know, it's happened like this. But I mean, when you you look at you know what what is the political system that we have? Okay, I mean, take very basic, uh, say say it's a mayor, even if it's a small town or whatever, two people. I was going to say two guys, but two people run, three people run, four people run. And basically, it's a contest for somebody to say, I can give you all the services you need for X amount of dollars, taxation. I, I can be a better manager than Andrew or a better manager than, than Carl or something like that. Uh, and the other guy says, no, I can be a better manager than this chief guy because I'm going to give you this for this. And at the end of the day, you have to have a way of a comparing one to the other see if somebody is actually doing what they say they're going to do. So so part of democracy, in my opinion, is somewhere in the bowels of all this, we, the Republicans, the Democrats, whoever the hell you happen to be, have to come to some kind of an agreement that no matter how bad you fight on the political end of it, it's it's baseball. You keep score. There's three strikes, you're out. At the end of the day, you got to tell me how many people are unemployed. It may not be your fault. Maybe somebody else's fault. Maybe an asteroid hit New York. The fact is, you got to tell me how many people are out of work. you got to tell me what the deficit is in Chicago or in wherever you are. God knows where, uh, Oregon or someplace. you got to tell me what the deficit is. you got to tell me how much you spent. you got to tell me what I got for my money with you in charge. And, and if you don't have a, a, some sort of a commitment to that, the whole thing falls apart. You, you, you become a wannabe dictator. Okay, Chicago has a, a deficit. We'll just tell everybody there isn't one. Okay, well, let's try that for a while. I mean, that's, I mean, that's what Nazis did to people. I mean, that's what, other, that's what dictators do to people. We control the information. If, if, if we go down that road and everybody, and seemingly every one of the last, well, really going back almost to Johnson, may, maybe even Kennedy. I wish I could, John, here's an assignment for you because you find all this stuff. Somebody wrote a, a, maybe a three- or four-page paper regarding every president back to Kennedy and what they did to deflect, to change the reporting on federal deficits to where the deficit now doesn't match at all what it did back in Johnson's time. One, 
one pulled the Social Security surplus out of it or put it back in, put it in or pulled it out. Somebody else did something else. And to where once, once you lose that, I think you lose all semblance of grading people. You have no idea where you can have somebody come out and say everything is great. And you go, well, how can it be great? Look at all these people out of work. I mean, uh, I, you know, if you lose that commitment to at least be straight, it's almost the same as not leaving office when you lose. It's, it's, it, you lose your commitment to what democracy is supposed to be, or am I being too heavy-handed on this? It, well, there's no democracy if you don't have information that everybody has trust in and, you know, believes, you know, it can influence, you know, elections, policy choices, um, you know, business decisions, whatever, um, with some degree of accuracy and honesty and, and you know, of course, where do these words figure in this discussion today, Tom? Yeah. Nobody would put together statistics like we're seeing now if they had any ethics. It's all about survival and, you know, blindfolding people and pretending things are different from what they are. And, you know, that's that's not a climate that is sustainable. It's it's not something that people ultimately will support once once they lose confidence in it. And, and I'm, I've lost confidence, I think, a long time ago, but I'm seeing it all confirmed now in, in reports like the one last Friday. And I, I, the only point I can see to it is it's a way of, you know, politicizing the moment and and deflecting criticism and you know, soothing the markets and, and, you know, not caring at all what's really happening to people whose, you know, life stories are being told in very different numbers from the ones we're being sold. And I see that as a total betrayal of the process, you know, the, th- the thing that's going to make it survivable, it, it's not going to survive if you, if you toy with people's, you know, credibility or credulousness this way and make them, you know, stomach stuff that they wouldn't stomach. Well, everybody has stop it was. Well, everybody has their area where they know a lot about. Okay, I mean, Luke clearly does. You clearly do when it comes to properties and laws and things like that, uh, and, and property taxation. I mean, you know, you're an encyclopedia in it. My area because that's what I got stuck in at Pullman I'm I'm probably as, as good of an expert on inflation as there is in the lay world out of a university because that's what I've done all my life right I mean uh, and I'm going to say when I was doing the stuff at Pullman in 1977-78 I never even crossed my mind that the CPI numbers were crooked I mean I, I, I knew then uh, John that it was it was more of a lagging number than maybe we were told or maybe people knew about because just the way it was being picked up and so forth. I mean, if there's still inflation in August, it may very well have stopped in June, you know, or or, or May, and it's and it's it's kind of a runoff. But it's but it was the same way coming in. So you you just knew it was like a three month lag. That's different than being fully crooked. I think you know I I think I mean that would, that's just I mean the labor numbers they lag a month, right? Or two months. If somebody gets laid off today, where are we? We're the, we're the 7th of, of September. I'm going to guess if you get laid off today and you get like a, a month severance or something, you're probably what? October, November numbers. That's just the way it's... That's that's not cheating. That's just that's just the way it is, right? And, you, and, you, and you're, you should know that. But I look at the CPI numbers right now, they're playing crooked. <laughs> they're, they're just playing crooked. I mean, if you and I would have 15 years ago... If Andrew's grandfather said, hey, you two mopes, you and me, how about build me 10 houses a year for 15 years, give me a price, and then we'll say, okay, I will, we'll build this basic house, 
255 it'll be the price if you want to add you know better faucets or something we'll have change orders if somebody wants something better finished basement but our basic price is 255 and it'll go up every year with the cpi i'm going to say we've been out of business seven years we're not even close to having that number reflect what people are actually paying you got to wonder tom when, when the price of being honest is too high and it's yeah. cheaper to be i mean it's always cheaper to be dishonest about a lot of things but when you've you've got an institutional decision that we're, we're going to mask things we don't like and we're going to lie you know with effrontery about them and we don't really care who sees through it or not we're just going to you know pretend everything is fine for the short term and you know we've got the mouthpiece we've got the megaphone we've got the media you know, pound the message we want, um, but any thinking person would have be, become suspicious a long time ago that there's you know a whole different agenda going on here. I, I'm, I'll be anxious to hear what what you know when you were talking to Dan a little while ago and about Nancy and Audrey and what they're seeing happen with their clients and in the real estate market. Um, you know, you you can't really lie about mortgage interest rates. That's a fairly simple. Yep. Uh, you know, data point I think to gather information about, and it changes you know all the time, and it's pretty easy to track, and it, it means a lot to people's ability to you know make decisions one way or the other about what they're going to do. But if we if we do start seeing layoffs, as I suspect we're already seeing it, given what's happening in the job numbers, where you got people trying to pick up you know second to part time jobs because their their full time job evaporated, I mean, you're going to see people backed into corners where you know they can't sustain living in the house they're in now at any price and whether they sell or whether they walk away or, or deed it back to the bank um, they'll worry about that later you know, they, they just can't do what they're doing now without facing financial ruin well you sure as hell not going to go to a ball game and buy a $15 hot dog or whatever Dan said he paid of course not and you know it, it, everything now is so screwed up Tom I, I just I wonder you know with interest rates being what they are and, and you've talked and, and I firmly believe too that people are locked into their houses now because they have no way to go out and get a new mortgage and get a house anything like the one they, they need at anything that, that they can afford anymore but what what has that done to you know housing prices it, it's completely you know screwed up that market too we have no idea what really property is worth anymore when you've got so little inventory in the system. I'm going to say that, Jan, it's worth the within somewhere along the line here, unless a lot of good things happen, somewhere in the next 18 months, the housing prices are going to drop 20% minimum. Oh, yeah, I agree completely. And I think, you know, it's already kind of baked into the system. It's going to take a while for it to, to show up. Um, but And I think it's going to be a slippery slope. I don't know, you know, that's not going to stop at 20% drops either of Never does. I mean, I. But I mean, and in some markets, it'll be much more. But you can. There, there's there's a certain encouragement with this. If you if you if you don't lie, which I don't. Matter of fact, it's it's it's. Uh, who's the guy that said? I, I find. Was it? Uh, who was it? Who's the guy? That was the mayor of some place? The wrestler was it? Hulk Hogan or not? Was it uh, Jesse? Even one of those guys was the mayor of some place. And what was his statement? He goes, "I find if I don't lie, I don't have to remember what I said." And there's a lot to be said for that. I mean, I don't. I don't even when I do the show. I don't look back on what I said. I, I I'm, I'm confident that if somebody asks me the same question, I'll answer it the same way as the second time because I'm not making it up as I go. If I if I don't know something, I'll ask you guys. But I, you know, I'm, nobody's perfect, of course. But I mean, how how far do you go on this? I mean, if you were a a cashier back in the day, 
when everybody was cash. You could, you could probably short two old ladies a dollar. Maybe they wouldn't know. Maybe the old ladies would catch it, actually. And at the end of the day, you could pull two bucks out of the cash register and probably get away with it for years. But then you say, well, if I can do two, I can do five. If I can do five, I can do ten. And someday, you know, somebody, st- somebody walks up behind you and puts a foot up your behind, right? Figuratively. Uh, where does this go in the federal government? If we get in a war and a battle, 100 people die, are we going to say it's 20? Or say it's ten, or say nobody. I mean, where, how far do you go with this? Once you start, once you start lying, what's what's the limit? Well, you can never quite see bottom to it, Tom. And we, we've we've tested those lower limits all the time, and every, especially the conflicts of the last fifty years, where you know you, you look at the Pentagon Papers, all the disasters yeah. in Vietnam. That that was the most egregious example up to that time, where you know. We're having fictions shoveled at us all day long in the news cycle about what was really happening. It's it's always been the case in, in warfare, where you've got you know blood being spilled. Um, it's bad for business, to be honest about it. You don't want people to be demoralized if you're trying to you know eke out a victory or a settlement of some kind. And I can see you know some extenuating circumstances dominating the discussion, I guess. But now there's there, there's no honesty about. <laughs> really anything with any consequence, and especially when it comes to covering up what we've been doing dishonestly. There's no end to the kind of deception or misleading information that gets pumped out to distract people and think everything is okay. Well, I'm so. trying to get, uh, maybe I'll, uh, I'll, hopefully maybe I'll do it on a day uh, on a Monday when you're in, and I'd love, I'm, I'm sure she'll come out, Audrey's friend who's now doing uh, all the work for the, uh, the veterans, um, mostly f- from lady vets, but I think they do both. Uh, they're doing like a, a Ronald McDonald house of, for those that don't know, uh, actually one of Robin's friends was was the major major driver behind Ronald McDonald house. But they, if if kids had to go someplace like for cancer treatments in Illinois or, or Northwestern or something, you came from you know God knows where, say Galesburg or someplace. Two things had to happen: a kid had to go to the hospital and hopefully some improvement or a cure or something or improvement. Well, where do the parents stay? They're not. They're, you're probably not ready to. If you've been paying all those bills for cancer, you probably weren't ready to stay in a downtown hotel. So, the Ronald McDonald House was a home for parents to stay very inexpensively while the kids are being treated in the, in the hospital. Right? Isn't that wasn't that the right? And uh, well, what they're trying to do now, uh, where um, Di and her friends, that this group, is if people are coming to a feder- a veterans community. To, to have stuff done in the veterans hospital, whether it's a an artificial arm or leg or something for somebody who got really hurt, they're they're trying to get places there where people can live for the two or three or four weeks, where you're not really in the hospital, but you you know you you can be transported over there for your therapy to so see you can learn how to walk on the artificial limb and all. But what's what's the total accounting? I mean, I think her friend's getting paid for now, paid, but we don't have very much. Not what she was making before. But, uh, you know, those are questions for her. I'm not going to say, I mean, if I knew, I, I wouldn't tell, but I don't know. But she's been donating her time all this time. Well, when, when we decide we're going we're gonna to bust up Iraq uh, and, and be, for weapons of mass destruction, are, have we ever given those people a, a total accounting of not only the, the, the dollar cost, but the human cost of what, or Afghanistan or these places? I mean... And, and people volunteering to help out, I guess that gets you out of, out of out of the woodshed a little bit, but it shouldn't. 
I mean, because the, the people are donating time. Uh, that's real cost, right? They could be doing something else. Uh, you know, it's why, I guess in our generation, Jen, when somebody says somebody bought a football team for $6 billion, but they had the money, I'm immediately going to say, I don't care if you have the money. There's an implied interest cost. There's money you're not getting. There's something. I mean, so you've, you've, for, you've foregone opportunities yes, right. or whatever. And, you know, the time that the, the, you would think with all of the people it takes to lie about the labor statistics and to, to lie in, in this a certain direction always, it seems, some of that energy could be better spent, I think, in really tabulating all of the injuries you know, for the you know the wars of the last twenty years, including the lost lost productivity of, of the people who didn't come back, or the people who were maimed, you know, critically injured, can never work again. What what's that done to, yeah. to the medical system? What it's done to families, to drug addiction, to all of the things that come with you know dis, dislocations and disruptions in people's lives that go on into multiple generations. If you if you ignore them, if if anybody really sat down and, and got a fleet of people and said, and "We're going to look for one year and just see what you know Iraq or Afghanistan has cost this country," um, you could never release that number because it would no. be so disgusting to people that there would be you know, a true insurrection about it. Maybe, well, you, but, but nobody's ever going to take the time to do that. It's it's just bad for business when it's a, it's about keeping people in the dark. And spending money like we're doing in Ukraine for pretty much the same ill-conceived reasons and and horrendously injuring two countries in the process that and we'll be you know putting a lot of our money back into rebuilding both of those countries before we're through. So who knows where this is going to end up? Nobody wants to see that number because it would it'd be too shattering to people's. You know, well, you'd like you'd like you'd like to read someday that. Uh... Putin died a natural death, and the next guy pulls out. But I don't see that's going to happen. That's not going to happen, no. Nor, nor is Zelensky. Gonna well, but the, but the Afghanistan, when Russia pulled out of Afghanistan, when there was where there was a regime change, right? Right, and that was that was exactly what we were engineering. That's just what we wanted to happen. Well, I mean, so, they, I mean, they did the same thing to us a few times. I mean, yeah, I'm yeah. not saying it's right. Nobody, nobody learns, Tom. Other no. than you know, there's always new ways to waste money and energy. So, yeah, I just wonder, Jen. You know, it's hard. One of the most, the dumbest statements I've ever heard on the trading floor that as time has gone by, that people take amazing advantage of in the news, is the really stupid statement: "You can't take a drink out of a fire hydrant because it's coming at you too fast." The, the news today, and you know, I, when I first heard that, I'm going, "What the hell does that mean?" Now I know exactly what it means. I mean, I, I think if you, if we could stop the tape of the world for for four days and got a few people from government who knew what they were talking about, and a, a few of the people on the show, I'll bet we could go through, if we worked 10 hours a day on it, I'll bet we could go through uh, a cost-benefit analysis dealing with like, all the homeless people everywhere in Frisco and here, that if, if you did it right, where you descended, descended, it's a horrible term, it's like something, something the Gestapo would do. If you showed up with a bus and said, everybody on, and you had interviews and medical checkups and found out people that could work the next day or the day after or a week later, how many were hopelessly on drugs, how many weren't hopelessly. If you actually did it right and found out what in God's name you were dealing with and what the solutions might be, and even if you didn't have jobs, okay, us 15 people are going to go pick up every piece of paper in Horner Park tomorrow, or something, and pay people rather than sit there and send them a, a, some kind of a check for something else. I have a feeling, John, that if we, if we did it right, 
and really spent the money, because the first thing people are going to say is they don't have the budget for it. I have a feeling that at the end of the day, that would be cheaper than dribbing and drabbing and dealing with all the, the, the uh, un, un, whatever, what's the term, un, un, the consequences of it. I think it actually would be cheaper to just do it, do it properly. I don't know that, though. I mean, I, that would be my guess. So I'd like to take a well, small sample. We're certainly do doing it improperly. Yes. We're, we're, we're enabling people who are, who are addicted to whatever substance. So we're funneling money that we think is helping the users. And all it's doing is you know, enriching the people who are, you know. Right. When I see all these young people un- unemployed, how the hell do I look at these numbers coming out of Washington? I mean, every, every business is closing in downtown San Francisco because you're stumbling over people to get there. Nobody wants to be there. Well, you can't tell me that's positive. I mean, how can it be? Anyway. And yet, you know, it, that's, it's just, it's nonstop in that direction, Tom. And it, you got to believe that some of these people have just been seized by some kind of disorder, the kind of stuff they vote for. I can't believe that. Well, you know, I'm not, I'm not into cruel and unusual punishment, but if we had the Saudi justice system here, uh, and again, I'm not into blopping people's hands off and stuff, but they would solve this drug problem in about a week. Now, I don't want to do that, but I also know that our current system isn't doing anything. So somewhere it's in the middle there... It's desperate already. Yeah, yeah that's the thing. but We're somewhere in the middle, desperate. i, I got to believe that, you know, if, if they went down and arrested somebody in the middle of the street for selling drugs, and an hour later a new guy got there, and that guy got arrested right away, and they, they ended up at some jail in, in Idaho, and you didn't hear from him for three months, where did he get around pretty fast? Just saying. Yeah, I'm, it's I, not going to happen. Though, no, I, I, I agree completely. You know, but I, I don't yeah. want to do that. But at some point, anyway, too too ne- negative of stuff. Of course, the market's getting its ass kicked. Uh, S and P's down thirty five, uh, Nasdaq down two hundred five. John, I'll be seeing you pretty soon. I talked to uh, D last night. We're doing something next week. Um, take care of yourself on Monday. Yep. I might try and uh, see if um, Audrey's friend wants to come on. That'd be that'd be pretty cool. That'd Love to hear what she's doing. Uh, I'm sure they need money, but that's okay. Some people have fear money they can send. I'll be back uh, tomorrow. Stocks and Jacks. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. JetBlue Airways. It's not the only way to fly, but it should be. Visit JetBlue.com. Empower HR, your human resources partner. That's EmpowerHR.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. BDL Compliance Consulting. Visit BDLCC.com. DAX Research. Listen to David Andelman on Mondays and Thursdays and go to DACSResearch.net.